1: Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, September 23rd, and today we're going to be continuing our division-by-division fantasy preview series with a look at the Southeast. We're gonna talk Hawks, Hornets, Heat, and more as we attempt to answer some of the key fantasy questions from this division to get this done. I'm joined by Raphael Johnson and Steve Alexander. Guys, it's September 23rd, as I said, uh, season is less than four weeks away. It feels actually like this thing is going to happen here. There's like real things, basketball players. There's real basketball player news happening
2: right now. Yeah, it all mm-hmm. got kicked off with uh, Robert Williams, Time Lord, some breaking news. And then uh, a bunch of other stuff followed. So it's it we went from zero to 60 in about two seconds. Dan, yeah, Raph, we've already
1: checked the. You can you can put Lonzo Ball knee surgery. You can cross it off your bingo card uh, on uh, yeah on N- your NBA injury pre- bingo card, which is a real bummer. And actually, I think we'll talk about that coming up if we have time. But guys, the task at hand is uh, to talk about the Southeast Division, as I said. And as a reminder, we covered the Atlantic and Central Divisions the last two Fridays. So go back and check those out if you haven't listened already. But uh, let's go to the Southeast. Let's start in Miami and. Raph, I'm going to throw this your way first. Looking at Miami's big three, if we can call it, can we even call it a big three? That's a question to answer of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry. Does does Kyle Lowry make it a big three is the first question. Uh, But everyone's shaking their head. Among those three, and this is a real question, who is your biggest priority at or around their expected ADP? Which guy would you uh, most be looking to draft from that group at ADP?
3: Yeah, fantasy-wise, this is the big two. Um, Kyle Lowry isn't going to be in the class of a Jimmy Butler, bam out of bio in that regard. So we'll get that out of the way first. Uh, For me, in terms of ADP and prioritizing, it's bam out of bio. Uh, Just because you get, you know, if you miss on him on like the second or third round, I think the pickings are relatively slim in terms of other high-level big men in fantasy mm-hmm. drafts, especially more, your more competitive leagues. But well, I think Jimmy Butler, for everything that he brings to the table, you don't get three-point shooting. And I think you can get some right. solid wing production, you know, if you pass on him in the, at that point and look to get someone else mm-hmm. and take Bam instead. So I think Bam, in terms of what he can do in the rebounding and scoring field goal percentage, he can get you assists. Even though he took a slight hit there last season with the Kyle Lowry addition, but I'm not too worried about that. Bam would be my guy.
2: Yeah, this is going to be boring because my answer is exactly the same. Jimmy Butler's just turned 33 years old. Happy birthday, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, Party pipe is back. Jimmy just turned 33. Uh, Lowry's going to be 37 before the season yeah. is over. He turns 37 in March, which means he's 36 right now, if you do the math. Yeah. Uh that checks out. I want nothing to do with Lowry. Jimmy Butler misses so many games, and he's getting old. I I don't really, I don't trust Jimmy Butler. Um, Bam Adebayo is a top level, top tier fantasy center. That's the guy that I want. Uh, I'm not messing with Butler or Lowry. Interesting.
1: So yeah, with Butler, I want to go through these, each of these, uh, quickly, case by case. With Butler, when you look at his numbers last year, right around 21 and a half points, six boards, five and a half assists, 1.6 steals, as you mentioned, Raph, just .5 threes. It's almost like he's a high-floor fantasy guy, but you're also drafting the injury risk and the expected missed games. So, you, to me, if you're going to draft a missed games guy, you want a high ceiling guy like Kevin Durant, who's just mm-hmm. going to smash when he's out there. You don't want to draft like a safe fantasy player who misses a lot of games so that to me is kind of the downside of butler with that said i mean he's a second round guy on a per game basis so you you're getting some nice value if you have him it's just you got to evaluate that with bam my only question is another thing you brought up raf the assists, you know he went from i think five per game to like 3.4 this past year do we think that's just kind of around where he's going to settle due to the addition of lowry and lowry still being there
3: I think he's going to get that back up. I don't know if he's going to get all the way back up to five, but Mm -hmm. you mentioned with the injury concerns and Steve mentioned the age of those, the other two. Another thing to consider is that Miami lost PJ Tucker and Markeith Morris. Now Markeith didn't really do anything for them after the, the Jokic injury caused injury, Mm -hmm. I should say. Um, but they didn't really replace PJ Tucker. So maybe we see a little bit more of BAM at the four in some instances. Um, to get like maybe a Dwayne Dedman or Omer, you seven on the court. Obviously, Caleb Martin, we can talk about him a little bit later, but I think Bam becomes an even more important player to the Heat just because you look at that front court rotation. How many guys are you really going to ride with, you know, in terms of fantasy or actual basketball, to be honest with you, and feel comfortable about it? So
1: looking at Lowry, he was number 63 on a per-game basis in nine category leagues last year. Around thirteen and a half points, four and a half boards, seven and a half dimes, two point three threes, one point one steals. He played sixty three games, even though it felt like he missed more than that. Uh, Steve, I'm sensing already from both of you that there's almost zero Lowry-related enthusiasm in terms of fantasy in this room. But is there a point where
2: he becomes actually becomes a fantasy value in in a I mean, draft? I mean, if we get down to to the end of the draft and you need a you need a starting point guard. I mean Lowry's Lowry's the guy, but I mean that backcourt is that, that backcourt is crowded too because they got Lowry and Gabe Vincent, they got Victor Oladipo and Max Strus, they've still got Tyler Harrow. Like, there's a lot of guys. Duncan Robinson's going to get some some run. There's a lot of guys that are going to need to touch the ball back there. Now, one thing that I may be crazy here, but I, I kind of get this sense. I s- sort of have this feeling in my gut that Victor Oladipo is going to bounce back this year, make a comeback. And if he does do that and he can stay healthy, he could also eat into Jimmy's touches a little bit. Um, I I don't know why, but I'm kind of feeling like Victor Oladipo may become a thing again this year.
1: Well, I definitely want to get to that in a little bit more detail in a second, but Raf, I don't, I don't think as Steve said, Lowry is going to make it all the way to the end of drafts, but I do think there's a chance he falls past that 65 range where he finished last year. So is there a, a point for you in drafts, Raph? You need a point guard. You Lowry's falling. You might say to yourself, "Okay, he's he's turning thirty-seven, but this is still a productive player." Where, where? Imagine where that mark is for you in drafts. Do you have a ballpark number?
3: I would say eighty-five. That that would yeah. be my my feeling. Like he get he yeah. get to like pick eighty-five, anywhere from eighty-five to one hundred. I think there would be good value to be had there. Um, as with him, you're just hoping that he gets 60 games. Like, I don't even think 65 is a threshold right. that you're holding him to, but you get him to 60 games and what he can give you in terms of assists and, and steals, I think you'd be pretty happy with that.
2: I'm just looking at a, a slow mock draft that I'm doing right now with a bunch of in, industry guys, and Kyle Lowry went with the seventh pick of the ninth round. It's a 12-round draft, 12 teams, So that was 103? Rounds.
3: Yeah, Wait. a little over 100.
2: And, you know, okay. he went right around the time of Chris Duarte, Mitchell Robinson, Gordon Hayward, Anthony Simons, Malcolm Brogdon, Kong Wu, R.J. Barrett. Like, he, he's going to be there. He's, he's going to be one of the last um point guards taken. Yeah. Man. I think Lonzo Ball and DeAnthony Melton are also going to be there. I love Melton. I think Melton's a, a sleeper pick this year. But, I mean – Lowry's going to be there in the eighth or ninth round of your draft. So if you find yourself needing a point guard late, I I mean, you could do worse.
1: I've thought each of like the last four or five years was like the last year I'll ever draft Lowry, but it keeps happening again. I feel like we're (laughs) headed that way. If he's going to be there in the 100 range of some of my drafts, then I will absolutely take him there. I think
2: 37 in March,
1: Matt. Well, you don't want to take a bunch of 37-year-old guys on your roster, but if you have one... That's fine. Okay. That's fine. All right. So, so Steve, you brought up Oladipo. So, so let's get into that because my other question about Miami is, is there anyone we, we really care about in fantasy beyond Jimmy, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry? And I think Oladipo is the guy I naturally thought of. But I want to kind of explore this one a little bit because I feel like we had the impression that he was really good in the playoffs, and he certainly had his moments. But when you look at the full picture, in 15 games, he was at 10.6 points, 3.4 boards, 2.1 dimes, 1.3 steals, 1.1 threes, 37% from the floor, Steve. So it sounds like you're expecting uh, better than that. Uh, just tell, tell us a little bit more about what you're thinking. Then I want to hear from Raf too on this one.
2: Well, I just feel like he's been injured for three years and he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's I, I don't think he's happy with how things have gone. I think he's starting to finally feel better for the first time in a long time. I think we forget how good he was when he came into the league uh, with Orlando and, um i mean he was just a really good player uh, a lot of categories in fantasy and i think for the heat to to really do it this year they're going to need someone other than those three guys we talked about to step up and i I think victor oladipo is in a good spot to do that and it just seems like you're not going to have to spend a a top pick on him he's going to be available in the middle maybe later middle parts of your draft and Everybody's sort of written written him off and forgotten about him. And, you know, if he starts shooting guard and stays healthy, he's going to have a good
3: year. I think with Oladipo, I'm rooting for him to be the sixth man as opposed to starting. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I think when you have Butler and Adebayo and Lowry on the court, that could limit Oladipo's usage in terms of having the ball in his hands to make plays and create as opposed to simply just finishing plays. Like we see them use Max Struess a lot. So... I think Depot. I think of the options that we've discussed on the wings, he probably has the highest upside in terms of both ends of the floor, uh, just because of what we've seen from him when he's been healthy in the past. And he's a, a plus defender, and he can score from just about anywhere on the court. So I think the ceiling is what you like there. Um, but the injury, the injury concerns would represent the floor for me. So I think he'd probably be the most intriguing. And I think Caleb Martin deserves a mention as well. Like I mentioned earlier, You know, they they really didn't do too much to address the P.J. Tucker departure. So, Martin, uh, I've heard discussions about him being used at the foursome in smaller lineups. He's someone I think is going to play a bit more. I don't know if he's a guy that you're going to necessarily target on the back end of drafts, but you're running low on the clock late late final round. They can do a lot worse than grabbing Caleb Martin.
1: All right, that's a good name to file away. Let's move now to Atlanta and Actually, I mentioned earlier that we have actual NBA <laughs> news circulating across the Roto World Player <laughs> news page. We do have some Hawks updates uh, from Friday that we're going to get to in a minute, but I want to start with what I see as kind of the big fantasy question around this team, and that is, how, how, if at all, should we be adjusting Trey Young and DeJounte Murray in our rankings now that they're sharing the same backcourt? And Raf, I know you and I have talked about this a time or two this offseason after the trade, I think there are some concerns. i feeling that we should move both guys down a bit. Is it possible though that some managers are overreacting uh to the kind of in theory negative fantasy impact? And it may not be as big as we think. I mean, is there a chance that these guys are not going to move down that much and we shouldn't adjust them that much?
3: Yeah, I think the question is how much is overreacting? Like how far are these guys dropping? Like if you're talking right. about two or three rounds, that would be a massive overreaction. But right you know, if you let him go, you get him like one round later than expected. That's OK. But the more that I think about it, I think they're going to be fine. Like whatever Murray loses offensively, he's capable of making up defensively. You know, He's mm-hmm. got a good build and, and he can jump passing lanes and the likes. Um, I think with Trey in terms of nine cat, the one concern would be turnovers. But maybe being out there with another playmaker helps him keep that under control, so to speak. So. Yeah, Now that I think about it, after we had a summer to kind of digest this and think things mm-hmm. through, I think they'll both be fine.
2: Yeah, I'm ex- still excited about both of them. Uh, in that draft I was talking about that is going yeah. on as we speak, Trey went 12th. He, he was the last okay. pick of round one. Uh, last year, I think he was going, what, like 10th, 9th? So yeah, right, right in that range. Yeah. So a little bit, but that's also because uh, Ryan canals has hyped – uh, Tyrese Halliburton so hard he's going like t- top six now and that, that's bumped everybody else at the end down a little bit but Trey went 12th and then Murray was the third pick of round two okay oh no so that's incorrect he was the 10th round 10th pick of round two so he went no, towards he was the end tenth of rounder. <laughs> towards the end of round two towards right before I took John ja Morant uh, round two Got it. So, I, I mean, Trey's going to go at the end of round one or the beginning of round two. And, and I think DeJounte won't be on the board by round three in any draft. I, for one, as a Hawks fan, am excited to see these two guys out there together. I think DeJounte can play, play shooting guard. I think Trey can play shooting guard. I think they're having two ball handlers out there. As we saw in the playoffs, you know, when teams focus all their defensive energy on Trey – there's nobody else to, to come get the ball and, and handle it, and that's why they got DeJounte Murray. They also did not get DeJounte Murray to not have him be a major factor. 13 triple-doubles last year for DeJounte. Um, he's not going to have 13 triple-doubles with this team, but he'll, he'll flirt with them you know, all the time. So I, I'm still pretty much all in on both guys. I did a little quick digging
1: into teammates who have finished in the top 15 in fantasy of nine category leagues in recent years. Uh, This past year, we had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on a per game basis, of course. We also had James Harden and Joel Embiid in the top 15. The prior year, Harden, Durant, and Kyrie were all top eight. The year before that, uh, Anthony Davis was second. LeBron was 16th, so you almost had it there. You also had Damian Lillard and Hassan Whiteside in the top 10. I mean, the point is, it's very feasible for two teammates to be in or around the top 15 in fantasy um, doesn't mean it will happen with these two, but I, I don't think we should be thinking about it as impossible for two guys who have kind of been in that area already,
2: Steve. And as we're about to talk about the Hawks don't exactly have a big three. So right. I mean, the Jante and Trey, one of those guys is going to have the ball in their hands all the time. So, right. Yeah. it just, if there was a third guy, like if they had a Kevin Durant or a Jimmy Butler or, you know, some other guy that was going to have the ball a lot. I I'd be more concerned about it, but I mean, these are the two stars of this team, so they're going to have the ball. I mean, what did DeJounte average last year?
1: 21, eight and nine with two steals or something like that. I mean, even if we, if we take a little hit off those numbers, I mean, if he's at like 18, eight and seven with two steals, I mean, that's still a tremendously valuable fantasy guy. You know, that's a guy we're going to love having on our rosters. So, I do think it's possible we can overreact. And, Steve, you mentioned this team doesn't really have a big three, so we're going to go there next. Raph, uh, who is the Hawk? Is there a Hawk you're excited to target in drafts after Trey or DeJounte? Again, taking likely ADP into mind. I have a name, but I want to hear if either or both of you guys have a name.
3: Well, I I had a name as well, but now that he's not going to be healthy for the start of training camp. Okay. I, I don't know. I, that would be Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's still uh-huh. dealing with some knee issues. He wouldn't be the third hawk off the board in drafts. I think John Collins would be that guy. Yeah. And maybe you you look you start talking about the centers, be it Clint Capella, Onyeka Okongwu. I've seen Okongwu go pretty high in, in some of the mocks that I've been in, like seventh, eighth round. That's a bit too much for me. But Bogdanovich is a guy that I like just because you got the Kevin Herter trade. They got back Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless. Neither is like an elite offensive player. And you have DeAndre Hunter. We've seen flashes, but he can't stay healthy. You know, interesting to say that when you have Bogdanovich, you can't stay healthy himself. But I think as like the anchor of the second unit, Bogdanovich would be capable of giving you good fantasy value, but I don't think he yeah. can do that right now. Yeah, you know,
2: Matt, you use the word excited. Who who am I excited about drafting outside of the yeah, draft? trade? it's really uh, no one. Who I would uh-huh. who I would take if the need arised and and he was there at the right time is John Collins because mm-hmm. you know it wasn't that long ago there were certain people in this room drafting John Collins in like the first or second round. And along with every other fantasy <laughs> yeah, was- manager out there, but no, they, we were giving <laughs> some of us were giving John Collins first round hype not that long ago, and and he he he's he has not lived up to that, but he's also not been terrible. Um, his finger injury last year was a problem. His finger, I guess, still looks about as badly mangled as it did last year, but he's playing yeah. through it, and it, it's not bothering him. Uh, Collins went in round five in that draft ninth okay. pick around five um you're yeah he went right in That's between cj mccollum and devin Vassell. and yeah uh you know at that point of the draft if i need a big man and collins is sitting there i'm i'm okay with taking john collins around five or six you just don't want to reach for him in around yeah. three or four i mean weirdly by the way happy birthday john collins turns 25
1: today uh weirdly in this party pipe is back out in this offense in what it's become he's kind of serviceable for a, for a super exciting guy in real life you know a highlight real dunker he's he's just become kind of a serviceable fantasy player he's not the 20 and 10 guy he used to be he's not going to be that guy most likely but he's fine around the 5th round like you said and as for uh,
2: go ahead, Steve. I got another thought, but go ahead. Well, the, back to John Collins. I mean, we just got done saying that the the Hawks need a third guy to step up. They need a if they if yeah. they're going to have a big three, they need a third guy to step up. Now, if they had Dejounte Murray and Trey Young as we know them right now, with John Collins, two years ago, we would have said, "Oh, John, that's going to be the big three. Collins is going to go off." I, I'm not convinced we've seen Collins reach his ceiling yet. Hopefully, he spent this summer talking to people and. And getting hyped up and and you know the Hawks organization has to be telling him man we need you to to ball out like you need to come out and get 18 and 10 every night I don't know if he's capable of doing it but the, he's at least got a chance to so
1: and speaking of that finger so this is via Brad Rowland on Twitter and this is up on the and uh Road World Player news page Hawks GM Landry Fields said that uh Collins's finger which I don't know if you guys saw the pictures last year but it was extremely enlarged. I think his right was it right ring finger if I remember correctly. Anyways, uh, yeah, right ring finger. Landry Field said it looks quote crazy but it's functional. <laughs> and by the way, I as a guy who recently broke a finger, I was at a hand doctor recently and we started talking about athlete injuries. It just kind of came up and I was like, hey, did you see John Collins's finger? It was like super enlarged from like repeat injuries and all that. And he was like. Oh yeah, it's gonna stay that way forever. It's always gonna look like that. And I was like, oh. "Yeah." <laughs> but so I mean, I, there's a chance that affects his outside shooting. It, his outside shooting was a little, uh, little hit or miss playing through that finger. But hopefully not. I don't know. Anyways, I think I, I don't have sky high fantasy
2: expectations for Collins, but that's just where I've landed. And I'd also like to be excited about a Kongu, but. There's a a player news blurb on Roto World page that Capella is still the starter. Yeah, they're going to split minutes. I'm I know. Yeah. You know. know what this you
1: you know what this reminds me of that situation the Capella Kongu situation. Um, Steve, I know you play fantasy football, Raph. I don't know if you do, but uh, the Patriots backfield with Damian Harrison, Ramondre Stevenson. It's like everyone's drafting Ramondre Stevenson all summer because he's like you know the the exciting up and coming guy. That's the guy you want. To get all the touches. We want to see that happen. That's a Kongwu, but Capella Capella's when Capella's healthy, Capella is the guy. I think yeah. if you're taking a Kongwu in the seventh or eighth round, you're gonna be disappointed, I would imagine. And I love a Kongwu as a player, but I just can't see it. I mean, I, I don't see him becoming the, you know, the winner in a platoon or anything like that, as long as Capella's healthy. I just can't see it. I, I think they like him, but I think he's a twenty minute per game guy when Capella's healthy and The guy I want to draft is Capella because uh, he was a letdown this past year at 65th overall. But we have to remember, the three years prior, he was a top 25 guy in non-category leagues, three years running. This time last year, he was coming off a PRP injection in his Achilles. He was limited. Uh, He started slow as a result of it. I don't know if he was ever right. So I'm keeping an eye on him. If he's a full go in training camp, I think he could be a major fantasy bargain ref.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I got, I was able to get Capella after someone else took a congu in one of my Man. mocks, and I pretty much said to myself, "Yeah, I'm gonna finish ahead of that guy if we play this thing out." You know, but <laughs> right because, like you said, you know, unless Capella isn't healthy, I don't think there's any way that he doesn't start just because of the size factor he brings to the table, um, the pick and roll game where you have Trey Young and Dejounte Murray out there. I think he's going to be a more valuable asset to the Hawks than the Kongu would. Now, Congo can give him good value off the bench. But I think with that lineup, Capella's the better fit.
2: And, Matt, going back to your football reference, it also reminds me a little bit of Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers for the Chargers sure. because everybody's drafting Cam Rams. Akers. And what's that? The Rams. Rams. Oh, Rams, sorry. Wrong, wrong. One of those California teams. <laughs> uh, but everybody's drafting acres, and then Daryl Henderson came out and got all the carries the first first couple of weeks. So it, it's the yep. same thing with Capella and Akangwu. Capella, uh, by the way, in that draft, went in the seventh round, eighth pick, uh, seventh round. And then Akangwu uh, went with Man. the tenth pick in the, in the ninth round, which might be a little early. Capella, that.
1: That is a potential major bargain, major yeah. bargain. Um, I love. I uh, I feel like Capella was undervalued in fantasy drafts all those years. He was finishing top twenty five, but it feels like it's going to <laughs> another level. Uh, early returns this year. And by the way, he's twenty years old. It's not like he's ancient, and he's the third highest play- highest paid player on the team this year for what that's worth. All right, moving to Charlotte because we could talk about the Hawks all day, but we can't do that. Uh, Lamelo Ball was. 21st in nine category leagues this past season, finished around 20 points, just short of seven rebounds, seven have assists, 1.6 steals, 2.9 threes, tremendously fun guy to have on fantasy rosters. Uh, Steve, will your guy, LaMelo, live up to first round fantasy billing this year? Is he going to be worth what we think requires a first round fantasy pick to get him?
2: Yeah, Jonas took him with the. 10th pick in the first round of that draft. Yeah. Uh, I took him with the s- fourth overall pick in a dynasty draft, which I was okay. kind of excited about. I didn't get Luca, but I got LaMelo. Dude, LaMelo, as long as he can stay healthy, man, the sky's the limit with this kid. He's, he's still improving. He's still getting better. Um, there is no ceiling. And, and he's so fun. So fun to watch play. So, uh, he He's perfect. I mean, I, I love drafting LaMelo on my teams.
3: Yeah, I think he's for sure a first rounder. He's going to live up to it. You, you do have the questions about the coaching change, Steve Clifford being mm-hmm. back. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there will be a better connection between he and LaMelo than there was at times between LaMelo and James Borrego. Like, remember some instances where LaMelo was benched. Um, mm-hmm. four mistakes on the court. I don't think we're going to have as many of those situations, if any. It's going into year three, so he's got two years of experience yeah. under his belt. And I think it's clearly his team. So they're just going to let him kind of run, and they're going to play in, in whatever image LaMelo Ball kind of paints, so to speak. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's going to be a first-round value guy either way, regardless. It's a it's a
1: blank canvas. Um, yeah. Uh, and by the way, from year one to year two, he improved in points, rebounds, assists, uh, three-point percentage, three-point volume. I mean, you, you just love to see that. And he turned 21 about a month ago. So, man, yeah, I I kind of came into this uh, wanting to be fully convinced that he's fully worth a first-round pick, and there's no doubt. And I, I'm kind of there now. So I think we can quickly move on from that one. Um Terry Rozier, who's who I want to talk about next. He's been a top 40 fantasy guy each of the last two seasons. Another guy who, for whatever reason, seems to be annually undervalued in fantasy drafts. Coming off a year where he averaged around 19 points, 4.3 boards, 4.5 dimes, 1.3 steals, 3.03 pointers. Top 30 this past season. A guard who basically never turns it over. So, you know, really boosts him in nine category leagues. Raf is... Are we trending toward a world where Rogier is a, going to be a bargain in fantasy drafts again, or are we are we going to see his ADP finally start to catch up to his actual value?
3: I think it depends. Like in your more experienced drafts, I think his his value is going to catch up. The ADP is going to catch up to the value, so to speak. But in mm-hmm. your more casual leagues, I think people are still going to kind of be in the uh, business of ignoring Rogier until about the fourth or fifth round. And right, right. You know, you look at that roster. Like Who else are you going to turn to after LaMelo? Like, you know, I, I think if Terry Rozier is on the board after the third round, you need to change that in your league immediately because that, that's going to be really good value to get for him. As, as Lee Corso
2: might say, not so fast, Roth. Uh, Terry Rozier went fifth round, fourth pick in that expert draft I'm in right now. 54? Uh, uh, 64? Fifth no, no 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 52 40. i can count i can count yeah, i cannot i can never figure out what what that adds up to but yeah uh i mean he was sitting out there in the fifth round and, and this is a league full of people who know what they're doing um, yeah and i i think and maybe some of that is the those of us who have been That's around really. we've been around long enough that <laughs> You know, we remember when Rogier's field goal percentage was was really scary, and he, he wasn't that great of a fantasy player. I think the last two years, you know, I still am not a hundred percent sold that that's real, even though I probably should be. So I, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm probably not messing with Rozier until round five.
1: I'm all in. I'm with you, Rap. Yeah. Especially It's like what
3: happened those last two years, though. You know, he's playing next to Lamelo.
1: Yeah, that's and that's like you I'm said. Here. Like you said, the roster, the, the the usage, there's only more usage coming his way this year. So what he just did, 19, you know, four, four and a half, that scoring should go up. I think, I think low 20s is well within reach for him. And I'm a believer in the percentage. I've seen enough the last two years, the percentage has been good enough to not hurt your team in terms of shooting. I, I love this guy. The only reason I wouldn't take him in the fourth round is if I somehow was guard heavy and... And really yeah. needed, you know, blocked shots or something at that point. But he'll he'll be one of my top
2: targets, no doubt. I think Roth's point about Steve Clifford being the coach is also important though, because he's he's gonna be a lot I think he's gonna run a different style than Brego did. And we don't really know how that's gonna pan out exactly. Plus the, the Charlotte's have a little bit different look this year. We may see PJ Washington starting mm-hmm. a power forward. who knows what's gonna happen there. But uh, there's a lot of questions to be answered, but the the one thing for certain in my mind is I don't care who's coaching, I don't care what they're running. Lamelo is going to be good to go. I'm just not as confident in Terry Rozier year in and year out.
1: I cannot wait to get that. Maybe, maybe uh, that's it's a Terry Rozier jersey coming my way, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to have to think on that a little more uh, quickly before we move on from uh, Charlotte. Any. One else on your on this roster, you're excited about Steve. Excited, a relative term on this episode. Intrigued by. How about we say that?
2: Well, I'm not messing with Gordon Hayward, uh, Kelly Oubre. I'm fine with taking him late. He he does a little bit of everything, and little being the key word there. I, I kind of like Jalen McDaniel's um, as a super sleeper on that team. Kind of like Mark Williams, the center, as a super sleeper, but. He's so young and, and uh, raw that I don't know that he can make a huge impact this year. But he's he's a guy I want to keep an eye on. Um, I'm not I don't have a problem with drafting P.J. Washington, who's going to yeah. be available, you know, late in drafts, round 10, 11, 12, something like that, probably. Just because I think he's going to have a chance to touch the ball a lot and, and have a big role.
3: I would say P.J. Washington. According to Cleaning the Glass, his minutes at the center position have increased each of the last three seasons. Um, I think he was at 54% at the center position last year, and they really haven't done anything to improve the rotation there. I know they drafted Mark Williams, but how, mu- how much is Steve Clifford going to be willing to trust him from the start? Um, you have Mason Plumlee, who I think is kind of a safe choice in terms of starting center, but you're not really expecting him to set the world on fire. Beyond that, you've got Nick Richards and Kai Jones. I mean, good for them to getting an NBA paycheck, but fantasy wise, they (laughs) don't do it for me. So I think PJ Washington, whether it's at the four or the five, you know, we didn't mention the Miles Bridges situation, but who knows if he's going to be playing basketball in Charlotte or anywhere next season. So I think that's all the more reason to kind of, if you're going to use a late round pick on anyone, it'll probably be PJ Washington. And PJ
2: went in round eight. In that
3: draft I've spoken okay. of. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean,
2: the guy
1: the guy is just a, a sneaky good fantasy player. For his career, mm-hmm. three seasons, he's sitting at 12th rounding, 12.6 boards, 2 assists, 0.9 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.63s. Basically, a steal and a block and a three-pointer and a half for his career, and he's basically done that every year. So, uh, that alone makes him worth drafting. And he should have a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have two more teams left to hit. First, we're going to take a quick break.
0: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you.
1: Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, in the NASCAR circuit, and in Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the 49ers and Broncos in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Next up, it is the Washington Wizards. We're going to start at the top with the biggest name on on this roster, Bradley Beal coming off a lost season, I don't think it's a stretch to say, where he only played 40 games and was a seventh-round player on a per-game basis when he was healthy. Raf, I believe we've talked about this one as well, but it's been a minute. Are you confident 29-year-old Bradley Beal bounces back and gets back to providing us some early-round magic?
3: Well, if you recall, I was driving the Bradley Beal top-five bandwagon ahead of last season. Yeah, He got off to a brutally slow start and then went down with that season-ending injury. So yeah, I think he'll bounce back, but bouncing back would be like third-round value for me. I can't really commit mm-hmm. to him any higher than that. So I think third-round is where I would take him. He may be off the board in a lot of leagues before that, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't lose too much sleep if I didn't get him.
1: So you're prepared to miss him uh, if that's yeah. what it takes. You're gonna you'd prioritize I don't know a Dejounte Murray over Bradley Beal in the second round. Is that fair to say?
3: That is definitely fair to say,
1: sir Steve. Where are you on this
2: Bradley Beal thing? Uh, I'm I'm out of the Bradley Beal sweepstakes. Uh, (laughs) I he will not be on any of my teams. I don't trust his legs or his leg, I should say. Um, The numbers you rattled off from last year, even when he was playing, it wasn't great. In fact, he did so much damage uh, to fantasy managers last year that in this expert draft that I keep talking about, he was the ninth pick of round four. Wow. I can tell you what that is. That's 45th. Round four. So, yeah, I mean, and to (laughs) me, if you can get Brad Beal in round four even though I just said I wasn't going to do it, I mean, I think you probably should because he's got yeah. third-round upside. He's got second-round potential. Um, you know, if he's fully healthy and, and, and highly motivated. So I think, I think if you can get Beal in, in round three or four, you're, you're doing okay. I'm, I'm just, like like Ralph said, if I, if I don't get him, I'm not, I'm not really going to be sad about it.
1: I'm nervous, but I'm going to have a hard time passing on him if he's there in the third round, I think. Um, just given the potential ceiling. Uh, all right, looking at the rest of this roster, uh, Steve, this one's coming your way as well, and then we will hear from you right after. Who would you most want in fantasy among Barton, Kuzma, Kristaps Porzingis at ADP? The other, you know, secondary options on the Wizards. Who has your attention
2: the most from that group? Anyone? You know, <laughs> Will Barton coming off uh, injury fest, um, sounds like he might start at small forward for them. Uh, Kyle Kuzma had a really exciting first half last year, I thought, kind of surprising and and fun. Um, Porzingis, you know, always hurt. I I don't really, I really don't want any of these guys. But I I guess if I was going to get one late, I I might just take a late flyer on Will Barton. I I've put enough hope and effort into for Porzingis over the years that I just can't do it anymore. I, I just I just can't. I'm I'm done. But uh, you know this will be the year he plays 75 games and goes nuts. So Barton, by the way,
1: actually played 71 this past year after a few injury plagued seasons. Oh, okay, uh, Raff, Which, My bad. Got, which no, it's okay. He, he did have an injury fest in, in recent years before that. Who, who is it for you, Raf?
3: I think Porzingis has the highest ceiling. But, yeah. you know, we talk so much about the 65-game threshold. He's played 55 or more just once since his second NBA season. And that was the year he played 57 games. So I think I've seen him go off the board right around, like, the 50th pick in, in the mocks that I've done. If you go there, I guess you can justify it, but it's like you're banking on this guy playing 55 games, and I don't know if that's enough, if you're going to take someone like that fourth, fifth round there. So I think Barton as a late-round pick is intriguing just because of what he can potentially bring you know, as a shooter, as a slasher, and maybe some steals as well. Kuzma really concerns me with this rotation getting kind of bulked up, so to speak, because we saw him in the mm-hmm. Lakers kind of- the Lakers kind of get lost in the shuffle. He did most of his damage last season when they were down multiple players due to injury. Right. So I don't think I would bother with him at all. But I think Barton, if he's not scoring like 20 points per game, which he is in the 20-point-per-game score, I think he has a better chance of giving you some production in other areas than Kuzma does.
1: So Kuzma, of all the guys we've talked about, sorry, Steve, sounds like the – be careful about drafting last year's numbers when it comes to Kyle yeah. Kuzma. Uh, 17 points, 8.5 boards, 3.5 dimes, almost a block per game, two threes. I mean, he was, a, he was a real fantasy bargain in drafts and really came through. But last year, a different story, we think, uh, than it's going to be this year in Washington. Go ahead, Steve.
2: And is Monty Morris the starting point guard for this this team? And if so, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think he's... He's an interesting last-round pick if you need a, need a point guard badly. But I don't know. We'll have to see what training camp looks like for the Wizards.
3: What was that, Raf? Yeah, we weren't given his name as an option, so I left Morris High there. But, yeah, <laughs> hey, I think Morris is a I pretty fancy pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, DeLon Wright, who they also added, is not really yeah. a point guard. Let's be honest. Good basketball player, not really a point guard. So that plays in Monte Morris's favor as kind of – the top... dude. It's not quite as crowded there, a point guard at all anymore, right? I haven't double-checked the depth chart yeah. a minute.
3: Neto's gone. Smith, obviously, was included in that trade with Denver, so he's gone as it's well. It's Monty
2: Morris. That's it.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. either Morris, and they can play Beal on the ball sometimes too, but he's not really a point yeah. guard. He's a scoring guard. So,
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not like Monte Morris is a guy who's shown us a sky-high fantasy upside, but we could see a little bit more ceiling than what we saw in Denver, potentially, mm-hmm.
2: given a better role. Last thing, Porzingis went yeah. with the first pick of round four in that draft. Okay, that seems a I'm, little early to me.
3: Thirty-seven.
2: I mean, I mean, look,
1: if you if you believe that he's going to play sixty-five games, then he should be a third-round fantasy pick because he was a a top twenty fantasy guy when he was on the floor. He missed thirty-one games, I believe. Was it? Was it? He played fifty-one games, right? Does anyone have it pulled up? I'm pretty sure it's 51. Yeah, he
3: played 51 last season. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, look, he was like a 20 and eight guy with one and a half threes and 1.6 blocks. Tremendously valuable still, even after all the injuries. It's just, I don't know, at fourth, fifth round. I just we Raph, can still get upside and and some durability
2: there. Raph read off his games played for the last like five years.
3: Okay, so 51. rookie season 72, second season 66. Third season was 48, and he missed 2018-19 with the ACL. 2019-20, uh, 57, then 43, and then 51 this past season.
2: All right. It's been a, so, basically a downward, uh, so downward yeah. path there. I'm going to have to uh, – no, go <laughs> I don't know. It, it's – that's like the I think that's like the
1: panic pick that happens, right? When you're oh no, my cue just got decimated last second. There's Porzingis. Maybe I should just take yeah. him and then you you stare at your roster the next day trying to convince
2: yourself that it was a good idea. I
1: hope that doesn't <laughs> happen to me. But you know, it will gonna, be fun if, when he's out there. If
2: you're gonna draft an entire team of risk reward guys, Por- Porzingis might be a good one to you know, you go you go K D and then Yeah, you know, I don't know who you are take in round two, but Jimmy Butler porzingis yeah. those guys you could do it all risk reward team that would be a fun way to do a draft that actually would be that actually would be i'd like to see you do that steve i don't have the nerves for we'll it we'll do it when we do a
1: two-man t- draft <laughs> okay perfect uh last team we're gonna hit in this division because it is the last team in this division is the orlando magic and i want to start with uh uh, the, the area of this roster, I can't help but zero in on when I look at it. When I look at the depth chart, it's the front court. Uh, Steve, first your thoughts, then coming your way, Raf. How do we think this shakes out between Palo Bencaro, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba, uh, this guy named Jonathan Isaac, who used to be a wildly intriguing fantasy guy, et cetera? I haven't even mentioned Chumo Kiki. Is there, to me, I, I want to believe that we only have to worry about Palo Bancaro, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba maybe in a deeper league. We'll believe Jonathan Isaac when we see it, but is that a realistic way to think of it? And Raf is gone. Uh, he'll be
2: back. He's probably <laughs> yelling at his lawn. His lawn guys. Um. Yeah, I, I tell you. Um. I, I feel like a lot of people are high on Mo Bamba. Like I didn't have him ranked in my top 200, and guys are like, "Hey, you forgot Mo Bamba?" I'm like, "No, I, I did it on purpose." <laughs> um. <laughs> I didn't forget him, but with Wendell Carter Jr. there, um, like you mentioned, Paolo is there now, Okiki. I I just, I don't know. Mo Mo Bamba is going to have like six incredible games this season where there's like four blocks and five threes and 20 points and 12 boards. And You're going to be like, oh man, I I missed out on Mo Bamba. But there's going to be a lot of games where there's nothing close to that. So, I'm just not – I'm not on the Mo Bamba bandwagon. Matt, you know I've seen – I've posted a, or retweeted a five-second video of John Isaac going off uh, in a gym against some kids. And, you know, that's enough to convince me that he's good to go for the entire – season. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I, I still don't know what John Isaac is going to do. But, man, I know he's sitting there in, like, the ninth round of drafts and – you know, we talk about a risk-reward guy. He's another one. Uh, but with Paolo Bancaro there, I, I, even if Isaac comes back and plays well, he's he doesn't have a clear path to, to huge minutes.
3: Yeah. Outside of Bancaro and, and Carter Jr., I really don't feel good about this rotation at all just because there's so many rolls at dice. Like, Bamba, you can potentially get, like, top 50, top 60, 60 value from him, but how much is he going to play? and You know, not just the injuries, but also the minutes, like the available minutes there. Okiki's a non-starter for me. I I wouldn't even touch him in, like, the final round Mm -hmm. of a draft. I don't really think there's going to be enough there. Isaac's a wild card. He hasn't played competitive basketball against NBA competition since July 2020 in the bubble uh, when he suffered the ACL tear. And overall, like this, I don't know what happens in their, like, medical department down there, but... There seem to be a lot of injuries, so yeah. like this is the complete opposite of what we saw. Say like the Phoenix Suns when it, like Steve Nash was in his heyday. It's like guys go there and kind of get rejuvenated. I don't know what's going on down there, but it's like guys just get hurt and then we don't see them for like nine to twelve months or and three. They get years. hurt again, yeah, they, exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think Bancaro is the guy that you draft just because of his overall skill set and what it can do for an offense that was absolutely terrible last season. And Carter Jr. is relatively safe. But beyond that, I let those guys be someone else's problem.
1: That makes sense. I think Mo Bamba has a case for net solid value, almost like better roto value than head-to-head because I think he Mm -hmm. is going to be such a roller coaster, like Steve said. I I do think... Even in limited time, he can do some damage, though. So in a deeper league, I think he might be on my radar just as a, an easy source of blocks. But the other guy I really want to focus on is Franz Wagner, who was basically a top 100 guy as a rookie in nine category leagues. He played 79 games. But when you look at the stat line, Raph, it was more serviceable than anything else. I mean, we're around 15 points, four and a half boards, three assists, a steal, 0.4 blocks, 1.2 threes. Yes, good percentages and low turnovers. But, I mean, that's more of a stat line that wouldn't hurt you but also just doesn't jump out at you. Do you think Wagner has a case for more ceiling this year, and and will he be a priority for you in drafts?
3: I think he will be. Like the early ADP I've seen of him, 97, which I think is way too low. Wow. Yeah, is that's that right? way too low for him. Yes. Um, he played extremely well for Germany, a Eurobasket, won a bronze medal. Um I, I think in the past I've compared him to a guy like a Michael Bridges where his value to a team, like, he may not go as high as he should just because you get good consistent value. You don't really get any numbers that truly jump off the page. So I think for me, like, if I can get him in, like, the sixth or even seventh round, I think I would be pretty pleased with that. Um, even with the log jam in Orlando, I, I'm really high on this guy. And with the loss of Gary Harris for the time being – that team's going to need shooting. Like they ranked 11th in three-point attempts per game last season, but 28th in percentage. So they had a lot of guys taking shots they had no business taking because they couldn't shoot very well. But he was a guy who was a decent three-point shooter. And I think he's only going to get better in time. So I'm really excited about Franz in Orlando.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Jonas ended up with both Franz Wagner and Paolo Banqueiro in that draft. He got Franz in round six with pick three. He got Bancaro in round seven with pick 10. So <laughs> I think Jonas is really high on, on Franz Wagner, um, much higher on him than I am. I, I'm I'm not going to lie. Uh, I s- kind of slept on Franz last year. I'm probably sleeping on Franz this year. There's just other guys. You know, I, sure, I have on. a I have a long list of my guys. And if you're not on that list, you're not on my team. And uh, Franz <laughs> is not on that list. Lord, I
1: if you're 97th, ADP, man. Yeah, that's that's a
3: joke. I,
1: I, yeah. I, this is a guy who I think could easily you know, vault into the top 75 without without too much effort. Again, I don't know that he's going to have just an incredible, like, mind-blowing stat line or anything, but if the floor is what we saw last year of 15 points, four and a half boards, three assists, I mean, those go up a little bit, and you're already talking. I mean, what if he gets the three and a half, four assists? That right there, it's like, wow, this guy is a guy I need to have my roster, especially if I can get him there. So uh, I'm talked into that one. Uh, meanwhile, you know, it's good to see some people in the chat here. It feels like the uh, the season's getting closer. BT Photo wanted to know about this Orlando point guard situation, Steve. Um, we got a little Cole Anthony, Markel Fault situation here. Uh, can we sort this one out? Or is this going to be a soul-crushing fantasy platoon? Uh, what are our thoughts?
2: Soul-crushing fantasy platoon, man. Um Thank you for co- coining that for me so I didn't have to come up with something on my own. Um, I just think it's a timeshare. I think it's gonna be an even timeshare. I think they're both gonna play a lot. I love I love Cole Anthony as the only point guard. Like if Cole Anthony was <laughs> in Washington for the Wizards, like I'd be so fired mm-hmm. up for him right now. But it's, you know, Fultz is gonna play. Anthony's going to play. They're both going to be worth drafting and having in fantasy, but they're, they're both going to cancel each other out quite a bit. And, and don't forget about Jalen Suggs. who yeah. will probably play right. shooting guard more than he will play point guard, but he can handle the ball too. So it, it kind of looks like a three headed monster to me. And plus it's Orlando, man. And I mean, what is Orlando doing? Like when was the last time they put a like good team out on the floor? I don't, I don't know. And I, so, I, I just have a lot of trust issues with the Magic. Raf, it's funny.
1: Um, the way Steve feels about Cole Anthony is actually how I feel about Markel Fultz. Like, I, I want to see Markel Fultz as the only guy because last year, on a permanent basis, he was kind of awesome. I mean, aside from not hitting three pointers, he would be a, kind of a fantasy dynamo if he had the job all to himself. But I just, we're not living in that world if they both stay healthy.
3: Yeah, he doesn't really excite me because, you know, he's a very good rebounder for his size, but he shot 39% from the field. Like, from the field, not from three, from the field. Like, do we not
1: Wait, understand no, how inefficient before, that is? That was the year before. Anthony? No, he shot oh, 39%. Anthony, sorry, 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 yeah. sorry. I thought you were talking about faults. I thought you were
3: talking about faults. No, 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 no. We we know all about faults of shooting issues, so we don't need to go too in-depth on that, but... <laughs> And then you bring in Jalen Suggs. He shot 21% from three, didn't shoot the ball well from the field when he was healthy. Like I said, they're, they're going to need to find someone who can space the floor as a three-point shooter. And the Gary Harris loss doesn't help with that. So, yeah, the point guard battle, I mean, no, it, this is I – don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like watching – Two kids play with like foam swords. It's like someone's going to get hurt, but you don't really know how. But uh, like, seriously, I don't know how to describe it. I just know that I'm not drafting any of those guys.
1: That's an incredible analogy. I'm like picturing my kids playing with foam swords and somehow someone gets injured. Like, how did that happen? Because they but, fell down backwards and hit their head yeah, on exactly. the sofa. All right. All right. That's a little, that's a little too much. To like,
3: me. somebody may fall down into value, but. You don't really want to see how it happens.
1: Guys, Markel Fultz last year on a per 36-minute basis, if you'll allow me, in his limited run last year, he was on 20 points, 5 rebounds, 10 assists, and 2 steals per 36. I I was starting to see some flashes of that guy a little bit. And his free throw stroke, he's shooting over 80% from the line the last couple years in his limited games. I just, I, I don't know. I think if somehow Markel Fultz had a job to himself, that's the guy on wanted on my rosters. But I just, again, I think it still doesn't matter because they're both there. Raf?
3: His career high in minutes per game is 27.7. So I don't think you okay. can use per 36. Well, I don't yeah. know. So let's, 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 I mean, you can, but what are the chances let's take of him? A
1: quarter, let's take a quarter of that away, okay? So we take 36 to 27 is a quarter, yeah. right? So 15 points. Uh, th- three in, uh, three, and 3.7, 3.8 boards. Three quarters of 10 is 7.5 assists. And 1.5 steals? Sign me up. I'm just saying. There's something in there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> there's something in there. He's, it's not the right situation. But if it was the right situation, I think that would be a
2: guy to run and add off the waiver wire. That's all I'm saying.
3: I sincerely hope that you're right. But...
2: Uh, BT Photo has reached out to the Magic and suggested that they, uh, their free promo for opening night be foam swords. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's really, or they can do it. They can do like a double bobblehead with uh, Cole Anthony and Markel Foltz, and instead of the bobblehead bobbing, you, you flip their arms yeah. and their, their swords start shaking. Yeah,
1: we don't, we don't, uh, like we don't make T-shirts from this show, like based on things people have said, but that would be a good one. Like Cole Anthony and Markel <laughs> Fultz with foam swords, someone's gonna get hurt. We don't know how. Someone's gonna get hurt.
2: Dude, we should start yeah. a T-shirt line. We can do foam swords, <laughs> Chetty Pill, two man draft. Yep. Yeah, Agreed. It'd be, be a hit. Let's,
1: uh, all right, we'll let's side channel this, Steve. We'll Stephen Raff will side channel this. We'll see if we can all right. funnel all these profits to ourselves. All right, a few quick hitters. It, we're already 50 something minutes into this, so we need to go. So I just want super quick hitting thoughts on these non Southeast division topics. Okay. Lonzo Ball had knee surgery, reportedly reevaluated four to six weeks. We're terrified into fully not drafting him at this point, or end of draft, you take a flyer? Yes or no? Raf?
3: End of draft in a deep league. That's it. Steve?
2: Same. And I'm, I'm, very curious about uh, where Alex Caruso is going to fall in this whole thing now. Yeah. Uh, time Lord,
1: Robert Williams has had knee surgery. He's reportedly out four to six weeks. I think that's reportedly out, not reportedly reevaluated. So he, I, we, we're probably a little more optimistic there. But Raf, how much does this affect your plans to draft him, if at all?
3: I think he drops towards 100 uh, for me in drafts. I think oh. it boosts up Al Horford, though just because they really don't okay. have too many proven options with the Time uh-huh. Lord out. So,
2: Well, I've already uh, gotten the Time Lord in like three drafts. So, And one of those is a real league, but it's, a, it's also a dynasty league. But uh, I think I have enough Time Lord on my team right now that I will probably not be drafting him anymore. I'm not as scared as everybody else is. I mean, I think he's going to miss the first 10 to 12 games and then he'll be back.
1: If he's falling in the middle rounds, I think I'm I'm gonna take a flyer. It just that's a difference-making shot blocker. Raf, you're looking at me like like I should. I'm you no, know, you're you're more worried.
3: I just think the medical history is is a bit too extensive to assume that once he returns, he's gonna be able to avoid any other major issues. Because you have to think there's gonna be some load management that comes into play as well.
1: Yeah. That's fair. Just the, the blocks are so hard to find, and he's so good. Yeah. But what was he? Like, all right, 15, I'll move him down. Fifteen yeah. last year. Yeah, like was so, he like a good fantasy player? And you yeah. know, clean up the. I think Woj reported it as a clean up <laughs> procedure, so may not have been too extensive. But but fair enough. I'll I'll exercise the appropriate caution. Boyan Bogdanovich traded to the Pistons for Kelly Olynyk and Saban Lee. Doesn't matter in fantasy at all for anyone on either team. Raf,
3: Houston Rockets. Yes? Kelly Olynyk is back, man. Oh. Look at the center position in Utah. You've got him. You've got Yudoku Azebueke, who suffered two major ankle injuries in his first two seasons. Really didn't get the chance to prove much when he was healthy. And the first-round pick in Walker Kessler. So the door is open for Olenek to step forward. And I guess Lowry Markman gets another boost, too. I, too, am excited
2: about Kelly Olenek, Roth, because uh, an NBA scout, a current NBA scout who I'm friends with, Asked me if I wrote the Kelly Olenek blurb on Roto World and I was like, No. He said, Well, I disagree with it. He said, I don't I don't think it's gonna be Kessler that's starting. I think it's gonna be Kelly Olinick, yeah. and I think the Jazz can tank just as easily with Kelly Olinick as mm-hmm. their center as they can with Walker Kessler as their center. So I, I do think um Kelly Olinick suddenly becomes a very intriguing fantasy player.
1: It's it's also that's crushing because I mean, great for Kelly Olenek. Kind of bummed about Walker Kessler. because I was excited <laughs> about him. That that's my final
3: thought. I think you still take Kessler, but okay. Olenek gets the. He's the one who receives the biggest boost here.
1: Okay, just and, don't and let me. B- just don't let me make his salary too high in in Jared Johnson's annual salary draft like I did last year. No no <laughs> no over no over Kelly Olenek spending for me this year.
2: And who does Bogdanovich hurt on Detroit? Is it Sadiq Bay? Is it Marvin Bagley? Is it both of them?
3: I think it's Bagley and Livers. Isaiah yeah. Livers was a the guy they talked about potentially starting. Um, right. You have Bay and Bogdanovich out there that gives them some much-needed shooting at the forward positions as starters. So, I think Bogdanovich pretty much be what he was in Utah. Personally,
2: I was fired up about Livers too.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. What lasted last point here? Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is already injured. He has a grade two left MCL sprain. Reevaluated in two weeks. I mean. We already were wary of OKC just given the shutdown potential. Does this does this preseason injury change things or, or make you even more nervous than you were before, Raph?
3: Um, with SGA, yes, but I think it makes me even more all-in, so to speak, on Josh Giddey. So.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Steve? Interesting. Uh, I'm all out on Shea. Like like Jonas tweeted, Shea, Shea Gildas-Alexander has been watching a lot of – Victor Wimbenyama tape, like this, <laughs> they're already tanking, and it's it's September. So, uh, no, I mean he's probably got a legitimate injury. I'm just kidding around, but you yeah. know the the writing's on the wall. Josh Giddy's going to be shut down early. I'm I'm kind of staying away from him. Unlike Roth, I mean I think till January Giddy's going to be awesome, but then after that I don't know what's going to happen. I think guys like Lou Dort, Darius Basley, and my guy Poku. Are going to be the guys that the Thunder are not afraid to run out there a ton of minutes all year. All right. That is going to do it for us
1: on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We'll be back next week as our division by division previews continue. We'll be hitting the Western Conference starting next week. And uh, yeah, keep it tuned to the Roto World Player news page as more and more news comes out. I want to say thanks to everyone. For listening and watching live, Steve Raf, thanks to you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you soon.
3: Thank you.
2: Thanks, Seth.